All right, John chapter 11. It's, uh, I'm going to read 44 verses today, so please remain seated while I read the Word of God today. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, I ask that your Holy Spirit would descend upon us, that we would have understanding, that you would enrich us with your Word, and Lord, that you would bring to us this real sense that you are at work even when we don't see you, or your plan is the best plan and the perfect plan. Lord, reveal this to us as we study your word today, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. John chapter 11, it is probably a very familiar passage to most everyone. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, and it And it was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. The sisters therefore went to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard it, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When therefore he heard that he was sick, he stayed then two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. This he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples therefore said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of a literal sleep. Then Jesus therefore said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas, therefore, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary still sat in the house. Martha, therefore, said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother shall rise again. And Martha said, Well, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. And when she had said this, she went away and called Mary her sister, saying secretly, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she arose quickly and was coming to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. 
The Jews then who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. And so the Jews were saying, Behold how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of him who was blind have kept this man also from dying? Jesus therefore again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And so they removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people standing around, I said it, that they may believe that thou didst send me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around him with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. This is God's inspired word for us today. Now this is probably much like the passages that we read at Easter or Christmas, very familiar to you. And uh, just as an aside, Easter and Christmas are tough times for ministers because there's only a couple passages that we preach on. Okay, And to make the Word of God boring is a sin for a pastor. And when you come every Christmas or every Easter, you know we're going to preach on the birth or we're going to preach on the resurrection. And there are only a couple of those passages, so to make them fresh and new and make application is an ongoing uh, battle. So I'm not preparing you for a repeat of a previous sermon for Christmas, okay? But much like that, this passage in Lazarus we have probably heard since third grade Sunday school. Jesus comes and the sister says, don't you know how bad the smell is going to be? And Jesus says, move the stone away. And he calls him forth and out he comes. And Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. It is very familiar to us. Now, this is not Sunday school. Okay? If you go to the four and five-year-old class and Miss Judy is teaching, she'll teach the nice and simple things so that the kids can grab the concrete okay, and know that this is the character of God. There are times when we come here and we have to go to where we need to be even though sometimes it is very difficult for us to get there. It is very difficult to hear some of the applications of Scripture. And let me assure you, Lazarus comes out of the grave. Okay? We may get there, we may not. But there are other applications that we have to wrestle with here because of where we are spiritually. Okay? There's an expectation that those who are spiritually mature are going to wrestle with the things that are deeper and richer in God's Word. And today we're going to go to one of those places, and it might be very difficult to grasp. But it is necessary for us, as those who have been believers for some time, or or even if you're a new believer, to wrestle with the things of God's character and how he works in our lives. 
And the way that God works is not always the way that I want him to work. And that's always a problem. Because I think that he ought to act in this way. And I read the promises of his word, and and, and it is like, okay, Lord, you're supposed to behave in this fashion. Is he really, or is that the way I want my God to act? When we come to this passage here, there are ways that people want Jesus to act. But because he loves them to a degree that they cannot fathom, he does not act in that way. He does not act in that way. Now go to verse 1. This is not a passage about Lazarus. Okay? What is the first thing that we find? A certain man, he's not even named in in the opening, was sick. This passage is about a sickness and the purpose of that sickness. Now, yes, the man who was sick is named Lazarus, and it's interesting, the word Lazarus comes from the Hebrew name Eliezer, which means the one whom God helps. Okay? And God helps Lazarus more than anybody else. He brings him out of the grave. Okay? He brings him out of the grave. Now, the purpose of this passage, as it states very clearly, a certain man was sick. It is an opportunity for Christ to demonstrate his grace and mercy and to do something miraculous. Okay. Now, the whole passage, the whole purpose of this passage and the purpose of John is that we might see who Jesus Christ is and we might believe upon him as our Lord and Savior. So everything that is written here goes in that direction. Now, Jesus has already done uh, six miracles. We see he turned the water into wine. This is in, in the Gospel of John so far. He's healed the nobleman's son. He's healed a lame man. He has taken the loaves and fishes and fed at least 5,000. He has walked on the water. And in chapter 9, he has cured the man who was born blind. So this is the seventh miracle that we see Jesus do. This is also, if you look at the other Gospels, this is not the only time Jesus raises someone from the dead. There is the daughter of Jairus, or Jairus' daughter, and then there's the son of the widow who lived in Nain. But it's interesting that both of those individuals had died very recently, and Jesus comes upon them, and they are given life again. Lazarus, as it is very clear, and, and we know he's been dead for four days before Jesus raises him out of the tomb, and, and there's, there's going to be a spell. This is the Middle East, and things begin to decay very quickly. And We also know that, that there was this thought that you had to be dead at least three days to be sure that you were dead, okay? and that's why there's some thought that Jesus waits until the fourth day, so everybody knows, and there can be no doubt, Lazarus was dead. Now, What is the purpose of this miracle? This miracle is the same as every other miracle. Its purpose is God's glory. Its purpose is God's glory. The Lord provides his healing. He provides his rescue or he provides his deliverance. Not because we have been stupid. Not because we have gone someplace that we shouldn't have and need rescued. He demonstrates it because he desires to show his glory in that instance and at that fashion. Remember back in chapter 9, why was the man born blind? So that the works of God might be demonstrated in his life. Now just think, here you are, a guy who's been born blind. 
You don't know why you've been born blind. Remember the, the, the conventional wisdom was that there was some sin of his parents or maybe his own sin that caused him to be born blind. And here he is for 20 or 30 years and he is a beggar. He has no means of, of income. He has to rely upon everybody else and he is blind and he wanders around. He can do nothing and yet Christ, he has been born blind so that God's glory might be manifest in his life. Christ seeks him out and he heals him. He has been that way all of his life. Is that fair? Is it fair to say you're going to be born blind and you're going to stay blind for the next 25 years until Jesus comes along and heals you and the whole purpose of your existence in this world as a blind man is so that you can meet Christ at that moment and his glory might be manifest in your life? Can we ask that question to the Lord? Well, certainly we can ask that question. We might not like the answer because his answer is right. Yes, that was his purpose. That was his purpose in this world. What happened after that? We know that he glorified God. How long did he live? That's not really an issue for us because the scripture doesn't talk about it. All that we know is that he was born for that purpose. And he fulfilled that purpose. So we have to realize, given that and given the introduction here in verse 1, that sometimes sickness is specifically designed so that God might be glorified. Now, although God can receive glory in healing, and and we've seen healings, and and sometimes there's no other explanation other than God has done the work. Okay, The scan comes back like this. There is gnashing in teeth and weeping. They do a second scan and the scan is clear. How can that be? Was there a mistake? Was it a hiccup in the machine? Or was it God's healing? And is he glorified in that? Sometimes God is glorified in healing. But there are other times when individuals are not healed. God is still glorified in that. And that is one of those difficult things to understand. Because suffering produces within us this... This, this strengthening and this hope, it drives us to the things of Christ. And there we find that we are more and more shaped like the image of Christ. Paul prayed three times that the Lord would deliver him from this thorn in the flesh. But the Lord said, no. I mean, this is, this is Paul. This is the guy whose body has been scarred by the things that he has experienced for Christ, who has gone everywhere, he's been shipwrecked, he's been beaten, he's been stoned. And and he says, Lord, can't you take this from me? And he says, no. Why did God not heal Paul? Because he was glorified to a greater degree as Paul's weakness was demonstrated in whatever this thorn in the flesh was. Okay, God was glorified to a greater degree in the weakness of Paul. But that doesn't always go very well in our society. I mean, even within the church, we say, well, you know... Lord has blessed me. I've been healed. You're still sick, so there must be something wrong with you. Your faith must not be strong enough. There must be sin in your life, and that's why God hasn't healed you yet. No, that's not the reason. The reason, apparently, if we've not been delivered from something or not been healed, and we are praying and we are being obedient, is that perhaps God is more glorified in our weaknesses and in our sicknesses than he would be if he came and healed us directly. Now, if you're suffering from something and you've prayed for the Lord to deliver you from that or or bring healing in your life, those are not always the happy words that you want to hear. Those are very difficult words to hear. 
But God's blessing can be manifest in our lives through suffering to, to the same or even to a greater degree than in our healing and deliverance. It's just not as popular. Okay, not as popular. So the delay, number two, the delay of the miracle is for God's glory. The delay of the miracle is for God's glory. Look at verse 5. Now, if we read this first section and left out verse 5, you put your little finger over that one and, and just go around it, we, get, we could easily think that Jesus was rather hard-hearted. Okay, he gets the news. He says, uh, the sisters therefore sent to him in verse 3, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. You love this guy and he's sick. Okay, they don't ask him to do anything. They just announce that he is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Go to verse 6. When therefore he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days longer. Okay? Hey, Jesus, Lazarus, the guy that you love is sick. Okay. Let's go on for two more days and, and be about our business. But the delay of the miracle is for God's glory. The delay does not mean he does not love Jesus or does not love Lazarus because it's very clear in verse 5. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Can you imagine what we would think? Randy, Judy, whom you love, is sick. Okay, well, I'll get home in a little bit. Okay? What would you do if you got a call like that? Okay? You would drop everything and leave and go to the one that you love and be by them and care for them, especially if you had the power to heal them, wouldn't you? Okay? If I get a call from home, Gracie calls me. Uh, Dad, I think Mom is dying. Can you come home right away? Oh, yeah, I'll get there when I can. Okay? Now, guys typically are a little bit more low-key than, than ladies. Uh, I had a friend, and he and his brother, who were teenagers together, about 18 months apart, uh, when they were growing up, they were having a dart battle. Okay? You know what darts are like. They have a little sharp end on them. So they were, th- they were in the hallway throwing them at each other's feet and, and, and seeing how close they could get. Well, the one brother couldn't take it anymore, and he throws it, and it sticks right in the thigh of the other brother. Okay? So they, there's this big howl, and, and they show it to mom, and mom goes, Oh, get to your dad. We've got to go to the hospital. And there's dad at the table. Uh, at the dinner table, you know, he's finished his dinner, he's got his coffee, he's reading the paper, and the boy shows up and says, Dad, Dad, the dart's stuck in my leg, we've got to go to the hospital. And Dad kind of gives him this look and says, oh, when I finish my coffee. Okay, and puts it, he goes back to drinking his coffee. He wasn't too worked up. But if I get a call and it says, Randy, Judy is dying, come home, I'm going to drop everything and go. But Jesus doesn't. And this is somebody he loves. He delays two more days. Now, we don't, we're not quite sure how long it took the message to get to Jesus. So we don't know how far away it was. But whenever it was, he gets to the tomb and he's been dead for at least four days there. At least four days. But God's love for us is not measured in time. Remember that time is something for our creation. It is for our benefit. God is not bound by the, the, the parameters of time. It is not an issue to him. So it is silly for us to demand that God act right now. 
Lord, you have got to come right now before it's too late. Okay, they didn't ask that, but it is certainly an Im- Im- implied there. You have got, you're the one who can heal Lazarus. You have got to come right now. And Jesus says, I'll be there in two days. But in reality, it didn't matter whether Lazarus had been in that grave four days or 40 days or 40 years, or 2,000 years, or 20,000 years, because the power of Christ could still be demonstrated in the same way. If Christ can raise somebody who's dead for four days, he can certainly raise somebody who's dead for 40,000 years. Because there is that promise, when he returns, what's going to happen to the dead in Christ? They're going to rise first. And how will they be clothed? In bodies that are imperishable, that can never be touched by the things of sin again. These are the promises of God. This is the power of God. Okay, Human love would have manifested itself in running off to Bethany as fast as he could. Divine love says, two more days, then I'll head out. Jesus knew the delay would make his love all the more real and would bring more glory to the Father, more glory to the Son, more faith to Martha and Mary and the disciples. How can a delay, how can letting him die bring more glory? Well, we already know the end of the story. But understand, if you're in the midst of that, you're wrestling with this, Jesus, you could have saved him. But you hung around for two more days. But Jesus said the sickness is for the purposes of the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified by it. And when Jesus heard that he was ill, he says, it's not a sickness that leads to death. Well, of course it led to death. Did it? In the timing of human eyes, it led to death. In the timing of divine eyes, it did not. So this must mean that the manifestation of the glory of God is a greater act of love than preventing Lazarus' death. The manifestation of the glory of God is a greater act of love than preventing Lazarus' death. Now that's one of those hard things that we don't like to hear, that we don't like to think about. Okay, How, Lord, are you glorified more in the death of my loved one than if that loved one was healed? Now we know he's going to raise Lazarus. We're looking back. But look in your own lives. Lord, if you had come, so-and-so wouldn't have suffered. If you had come, so-and-so wouldn't have died. If you have come, this would not have happened. And sometimes the Lord says, my greater love is to delay, for it will bring greater glory to my Father. God's greater glory... God's, greater, God's love, God's glory is a greater act of love than the healing. God's glory is a greater act of love than the healing. Jesus did not, become, did not come because he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus to such a degree that his love delayed him. These are hard, hard things to grasp when we begin to apply them in our own lives. 
Okay, that Jesus now clarifies that Lazarus is actually dead. He stated he was glad he was not here while Lazarus was sick. I'm glad I wasn't here. Why? So that your faith might be strengthened. So that you might see even greater things of our Heavenly Father. The healing of Lazarus would have been a great thing, wouldn't it? I mean, that, wouldn't that strengthen your faith? Here is a man who is on his deathbed, and Jesus comes and heals him. What would that have done for the faith of Mary and Martha and all those people? I mean, how many would have believed because of it? But Jesus says, the greater act of love is to wait. And because he understood that they needed that greater act, they needed to see Lazarus come out of the grave. They needed that for their faith. So since the disciples don't understand what Jesus is speaking about in particular, look at verse 14. Then Jesus said, Lazarus is dead. I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you might believe, but let us go to him. Okay, The purpose of it, so that you might believe. He has no doubt he could have cured Lazarus, but it is more helpful to their faith if he raises Lazarus. Okay, To have faith in the Son of God is far more important than to be healed than to have a life of ease. I mean, it's great to have a life of ease and a life of blessing. It is even better to have a life that goes for eternity with our Heavenly Father. So third, the delay shows the love of Christ. Lazarus' family calls out and says in verse 3, the one you love is sick. This is much like the request from Jesus' mother Mary at the wedding of Cana. Go to him. Hey, they're out of wine. What are you going to do? Jesus says, it's not quite my time yet. Now his time is at hand. We understand that in the next chapter, we are moving into Jerusalem. Okay? And the crucifixion is at hand. The time is now for Jesus to act. And Jesus, and the Bible says, for the sake of love, he acted. Jesus manifested the glory of God in the raising of Lazarus. Now, what do you think is going on in Lazarus' life right now? Okay, he's dead. So, Lazarus was a righteous man. Where is Lazarus? He's in heaven. Okay? Part of the belief of the Christian is that there is this great and, and magnificent glory and, and peace and this cleansing. Once we get to heaven, this perfection, it is, you know, you are called, justified. Ultimately, you are glorified. You stand in the presence of our Heavenly Father. Sin no longer affects you. And that is where Lazarus is. Now, who wants to leave that and come back here? You know, there's death because Lazarus has to die again. Okay? And we don't know whatever happens to Lazarus after that, but we know he died again. So who wants to leave the perfectness and the glory of heaven to come back to this world? Such was the love of Jesus Christ for those around him that he would bring Lazarus out from that glory back into this world that he might again be in existence here. I mean, I don't think it was Lazarus' desire to leave heaven if if he'd have taken a poll. But it was Jesus' purposes in delaying that he should die and then come back from heaven and exist in this world. This is the great love that Jesus has. Now when we look at the word love in scripture, there are several kinds. The love that Jesus has in this instance is not this philia love, this brotherly love. It is his agape love. His love is so great 
that it is manifest in this fashion. Not in the fashion that men would think is appropriate, but in a fashion that our Heavenly Father and His Son think are, is appropriate. So it's interesting how God makes us wait. When you worry because God doesn't come immediately to the rescue, we often realize that waiting and His timing is perfect and ours is not. Ours is not. So when you pray expecting an immediate answer right now and nothing happens, you can be sure that the Lord hears you. Let me read from Isaiah chapter 30. Therefore will the Lord wait that he might be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted. And we tend to really say, if God, you want to be gracious to me, come now. Come right now and do this and fix this and heal this person. Come right now. But the last phrase of Isaiah 30, 18 says, Blessed are all they that wait for him. That wait for him. But we don't wait much in our society, right? Don't you get upset when you text somebody and they don't text you right back? Okay. What are they doing? Aren't they paying attention? Okay. Because you don't want to call them. You just want to text them. Or an email, or you have an instant messenger. We have all forms of instant everything, instant coffee, instant beans, instant everything. Okay, we want action right away. You say, Lord, I've been praying for this for 30 minutes today. Why don't you act on it? Okay? Remember, time was created for us. Time is not a constraint for our Heavenly Father. We say, God, where are you? We have been talking about this. You knew what was going to happen. What's going on? Like Mary and Martha, we say, if only you had been here. If only you'd have been on my schedule, this wouldn't have happened. But God says, I love you to such an extent that I didn't act. I love Lazarus to such an extent that I didn't come. I delayed. Turn over to verse 33. Here they are. They're they're on their way. To the tomb. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit, and he was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said, Come and see. And Jesus wept. And they say, See how much he loved him? I'm not so sure that it was he was weeping because of his love for Lazarus, over against perhaps this this the word is, is so strange here. It, it, it could be interpreted indignation. There is an indignation, a righteous indignation in the heart of Jesus over sin's action in this world. And it is being manifest here at the tomb of Lazarus in the life of Jesus. And he is weeping. Verse 39. Now, Jesus has delayed because he wants to show greater love. He wants their faith to be strengthened. He wants to manifest the glory of God to the nth degree. So he comes, and you know, miracles are only done for the glory of God. So he comes to the tomb, and there is a stone in front of the tomb. And what does he say in verse 39? Hey, guys, get the stone out of there. Now, Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Why in the world does he not and roll the stone away with the wave of his hand. I mean, he could have turned that into a a glass revolving door if he wanted to. I mean, if you want to demonstrate the glory of God, why not carry the miracle all the way through? 
Because Jesus never does a miracle for show. He does it for the glory. Rolling the stone away would have been for show. And and in our minds we think, well, isn't raising someone from the dead for show? No. Remember, it is for his glory. So he has men roll the stone away. And he speaks and Lazarus comes forth. The miracles that Jesus did were for his glory. The timing of the miracles are for the same purpose. And we wrestle with the things we ask God. We are commanded by the Lord to pray and to pour out our hearts and say, Lord, come now and heal. Come now and act. And the Lord says, you know, if I don't come now, it's because I love you even more. And there is something in your life that needs to be adjusted, grown, matured, or whatever by my delay. And here is the delay by Jesus for a greater demonstration of faith. The miracle was for the glory of God, not for the life of Lazarus. So is the Christian supposed to keep their eyes on a problem? Now, our problems are real. Our struggles are real. Our suffering is real. If we keep our eyes focused upon those problems and struggles and and sufferings, we might come to an answer of those. But if we keep our eyes on Christ and his purposes and his glory, then that is what we will see. If you look at Christ, you will see his glory. If you look at your problems, you might see an answer. Answers are fine. But what is the greater demonstration of his love? And that is the glory of our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Lord, what seems to be so straightforward, just a great demonstration of your love, that you would raise someone from the dead, and then we begin to look at it and wrestle with it and see that it is much more. It is a greater demonstration of your love because you delayed. Lord, we all have faced something like this. Some time when we thought we are hopeless without you. Lord, that if you don't come now, if you don't act, we are lost. And sometimes, Lord, you have showed us that your delay was better. And Lord, you don't always give us that answer right away. It might be years before we understand why you did not act in a fashion that we prayed for. And in fact, Lord, we might have to simply come to the conclusion that you will not tell us some of those things in this life. And not until we stand before you.